delighted to be with you. Love being with both Frank and Pat and Jim and Leah and, and uh, Joe and Katie and everyone, Josie and all the J names. Yeah, I kind of figured that one out this morning. It took me a while. I appreciated the encouragement about social media, and uh, I'm working hard on that. I'm getting a little familiar with my face. <laughs> I know it's not my face, but but uh, we are dinosaurs, you know. We just kind of do what we could do. But uh, so enjoy my time with Frank, and, and uh, really, Frank has been very instrumental in helping me in my development of this last phase of my ministry. I've been a Christian 40 years and a pastor for 30, and uh, I would say I've been a Messianic believer for the last seven, and Frank, in many ways, was instrumental in connecting me with uh, a number of ministries in Israel, in a number of really uh, wonderful people like, you know, Eitan Shishkov and others and, and have very good friendship with them and uh, has really deepened our appreciation of Scripture, our deeper appreciation for our thoroughly Jewish Messiah. And, uh, and we have, because of you guys, I think in many ways, instituted an Arab Shabbat program. So we are uh, dual expression in many ways as well. You guys are dual congregation, but I think we become dual expression and so that's been a whole lot of fun. I want you to know that I've learned a lot from Frank. I really have. I've learned how to pray over a brat and turn it into chicken. <laughs> and I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. I mean, really. And, uh, and just so you know, I, I, I came to the Shabbat yesterday for the service, you know, and I didn't put on a yarmulke, but there's a reason. I carry mine with me. Yeah, you're always ready to go. I mean, just it just kind of works, and you're getting there, brother. <laughs> Frank and I have traveled to uh, to Mexico. Uh, he abused me there, <laughs> and, and he had me sleep next to a pig. That's true, and and uh, in a school bus next to the pig, and I guess we had a a competition about who would snore louder, me or the pig, right? Who won, Frank? How do you think I did? <laughs> that wasn't a very kosher thing to do to me, just so you know. Ooh. <laughs> um, I do believe the Lord has directed me to share a word with you this morning. And I've been ministering for about 35 years in different ways, pastoring for 30. And this is the only message... I think that I've ever spoken on this subject in all 30 years, but I really believe it's timely, and I really believe that God wants to meet us at our point of need, that he wants to bring encouragement and edification and comfort to his people, and um, just bow your heads with me as we pray into this lesson, that Holy Spirit, that the rock would have his way in ministering his amazing grace to each one of us here this morning in the name of Jesus. So, Father, I just do thank you for your word and I pray that you'd help me not to get in the way, but that you'd help me deliver, God, this message in a way that touches hearts and minds. And God, you know, you know the, the needs that we have. You know where we hurt, you know where we bleed. And God, even today, I pray that you would just minister to your people amazing grace, lavish upon us your love and uh, your concern. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. I, I want to talk to you this morning about loneliness, and uh, I don't know that I've ever heard uh, a message 
on loneliness, and yet this is something that was stirred in my heart about six weeks ago. And, uh, and I, I realized that loneliness has become a, a pretty common phenomenon here in, uh, in America. If you look, listen to country music, you know, half the songs are, are about loneliness. If you listen to, even in the 60s, you remember Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and the whole loneliness issue is something that plagues humanity. Um, they say that at least a quarter, 25%, of the U.S. population suffers from loneliness in some measure. Um, but that might only be a small fraction of those who are um, impacted by it. And, and, you know, with modernization and all that happens uh, in our culture and society and all the time-saving devices and all that, it seems that it hasn't made things easier, even with Facebook, even with social media. People are feeling more lonely than ever before. Um, and it's now possible in our culture, really, to do a lot of things without people, you know, things that used to always involve people in, in human interaction. Um, Dr. Gary Collins, someone that many of us are familiar with, says that we live in a loneliness-producing society, and our culture is, is really fostering, in many ways, uh, isolation and loneliness in, in an almost pandemic fashion. And it's a real concern. Um, you could go through life and do so many different things today. Um, you could pump your own gas and not deal with any people. You could, the whole kiosk thing at the airports, I hate it. I like seeing a person. I like having somebody say good morning to me. You know, instead of just dealing with a machine and having to punch in buttons and all these other things, you know, sometimes I just, uh, I choose to avoid those and just go to where people are. Not that I don't know how to do it, but I like the human interaction, and I think you do too, and I think we need that. You know, you can go to stores and, and the checkout lines, you know, quicker if you go this way, and we're encouraged to, to, to do things really that sets the whole people dynamic aside. You know, old people, older people, I say that guardedly now, to, now that I'm there, um, <laughs> older people process loneliness quite a bit. Married people can be lonely. Young people can be lonely. And uh, I'm addressing this simply because I believe that God wants to meet you and he wants to meet me right here and today at our point of need. And, and I believe that, that a lot of us here, people in the church are lonely. And even though there are people everywhere, uh, you can be surrounded with people and still feel lonely and disconnected. And, and I believe the Holy Spirit is stirring this. And he wants us to be aware, and he wants us to be, um, I, I like to use a, a writer's uh, way of, of saying that, that we need to have a theology of inclusion, of including people into our world, into our space, so that people feel that they're valued, that people feel like they're connected. So I believe that God wants to, as a church, sensitize us to the needs of people out there um, and to the needs of people in here as well. You know, you've heard it said that people need the Lord, and I believe that. And I think I heard Frank mention this over the weekend, that, uh, you know, sometimes it's good people need the Lord, but sometimes, you know, like that little kid that says, yes, but I want someone with skin on them. I want someone that can touch me, that I can touch, that, that we can interact with. Very, very important. You know, people need the Lord, but people need people. Now, I'm going to share a scripture with you in Psalms 102. I'm going to, I'm going to be sharing many, many scriptures I spoke yesterday, I had two. Today, I think I've got about 20. But we're going to run through them very, very quickly. 
and let there be the washing of water by the word of the Lord, that God's word can bring an encouragement to your hearts and to your minds. But the psalmist said in Psalms 102, verses 6 and 7, I resemble like an owl of the waste places. I lie awake and I become like a lonely bird on the housetop. And, and so the psalmist is saying, here I am feeling like I'm all alone. It's, it's a really sad, descriptive uh, metaphor that really describes sadness. And one that could dishearten us if it wasn't for the words of Jesus that says that his eye is on the sparrow. And his word says that we're never alone. Hallelujah. And we need to realize that. But sometimes we can feel alone, even though we're never alone. Sometimes we could feel alone, and that could be a point of exploitation where the adversary really gets us feeling rather low. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says, There are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than any of the sparrows. Now, this could sound a little bit disheartening, so I'm going to front load this with some of the solution so that we have some encouragement of heart. And then we're going to break down some of the causes. If you turn my high mid down just a little bit, I would appreciate that. So Romans chapter 8, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we're being put to death all the day long, considered a sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. And Paul says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth or any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This encouragement in that. God loves us. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. Or Isaiah chapter 40. Haven't you heard, don't you know that the Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, and he will not grow tired or weary And his understanding no one can fathom. And he gives strength to the weary. He increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And they will soar on wings like eagles. They'll run, not grow weary, walk, and not faint. God wants to encourage our hearts. He wants to strengthen our spirits. I believe that with my whole heart. Again, in Isaiah 40, he says, don't fear. I'm with you. God is with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. You become a temple of God's Holy Spirit. Where you go, he goes. There's encouragement in that. And he says, I am your God. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And again, Deuteronomy 31, be strong and courageous. I love that. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. The Lord your God goes with you. He'll never leave you, and he'll never forsake you. So, We're never alone, but sometimes we feel alone, and I want to address some of those things. Loneliness is a really common phenomenon, and I want to share with you a couple things that loneliness isn't important for us to understand. Um, Loneliness really is not solitude. There's a difference between loneliness and solitude. Uh, There are moments when I really enjoy I really enjoy just being alone with a cup of coffee, a good book, being able to meditate on the Word, being able to soak in the presence of the Lord. That's not the same. Jesus enjoyed solitude, and he took away 
uh, took some time away by himself to be with his father. And so you could be alone and not feel lonely. You, you guys tracking with me here? So loneliness is not solitude. Um, another consideration is loneliness is not feeling lonesome. That's not the same either. Uh, I've experienced lonesomeness at times. If I'm traveling into Asia or, or um, Eastern Europe, and, and it's an especially long trip, usually into the second week, I start feeling lonesome. I start missing my family. I start missing my church, my friends. You know, that's just feeling lonesome. And then by the time you come home and you reconnect with your loved ones, that all goes away. So that's not the loneliness that I'm talking about here at all. Um, I want to share with you that loneliness runs deeper than all of that. I think it was Thoreau who said that a city is a place where people are lonely together. Think about that. A city is a place where people uh, are lonely together. And loneliness, like I referenced already, is not necessarily being isolated from people. You can be lonely in a crowd, surrounded by hundreds of people, and still feel lonely. And, And it might surprise you, but sometimes the more people there are, the more lonely some people feel. And, and we need to be aware of that because sometimes we could be full and things, could, you know, the church could be full and things could be popping, you know, things really happening in, in a brother or a sister here or there or someone maybe that hasn't met the Lord yet is feeling particularly lonely. And we need to be aware that we could build bridges to these people. Very important. You know, there are lonely people who are in restaurants, lonely people in theaters. There could be lonely people in church. And I really believe that's why the Lord is stirring this lesson um, in this season for me in the places that I go. Loneliness can be a terrible thing. It could be a feeling of being disconnected, unnoticed, feeling unneeded, uncared for, maybe almost feeling unwanted. You know, looking back to our verse in verse 102, uh, Psalms 102, he says, I become like a, a lonely bird on a rooftop on a housetop. You know, social scientists tell us that we all have those same basic needs of, um, you know, whether we're young, old, black or white, skinny or large, we, we need to be relating to people and we need to feel connected and we need intimacy with people. And I'm not talking about sexual things here. I'm talking about having someone who understands who you are, having someone who understands where you are, and having that touch of encouragement from somebody, which is very, very important. I heard of a service in Kansas, the state of Kansas, where you make a phone call, and I think it's about $10, um, $10 or $20, I think, and, and for a half hour, somebody will listen to you and not even say a word. Just listen. And, and I thought, how could there be you know, such a service as that where they don't even talk, they just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and what they were saying is that it wasn't too long they were getting 10 to 20 calls a day because people have a need to feel connected, to be connected with other human beings. And uh, very, very important. We all have that need to be needed. We all have that need to be connected. Those are basic things. So I want to define loneliness. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. It's that feeling of being unnoticed, unloved, uncared for, or unneeded. 
Let me say that one more time. It's the feeling of being unnoticed, unloved, uncared for, or unneeded. And those are basic needs that we all have. We all need to be loved. We all need to feel connected, especially, especially in the community of the king. People need to feel connected. And that's why we do small group ministry. That's why, you know, it's very important. You know, our, our, uh, some churches, and, and I hate to admit this, they target, you know, the, the, the upper quarter of our culture, society, financial um, wherewithal and all that. Our target, target audience, sorry, my New England stuff comes out occasionally with a word, our target <laughs> audience. Um, but our target audience is anybody that breathes because people need the Lord. And God so loved the world, every single one of us. And, and we have a mandate, I think, a responsibility before the Lord to build bridges to people, and that's very, very important. Now, I want to share some, um, some reasons why people feel lonely and, and some things maybe that, that we need to watch out for, you know, if we're given to those feelings of loneliness, that, that we not fall into those traps. So there are traps, and, uh, and one of them is the comparison trap. By comparing ourselves with other people, sometimes that could set us on a spiral. So people who are lonely often look at other people who seem to have friends and family and people surrounding them, and it's very easy to start feeling sorry for yourself, you know. And then all of a sudden you've got your Lonely Hearts Club band playing, you know. And uh, it's not just the Beatles, or if you remember back to Janis Joplin, you remember her? And, and how she wrote songs about being lonely, but she was incredibly lonely, singing to thousands and mega thousands of people and then going back to her room, watching TV alone, waiting for the next gig and realizing how lonely it was. And it's not just musicians. H.G. Wells, famous author, said, I'm 60, I'm lonely, and I found no peace. Now, Albert Einstein, he says, it's strange to be known so universally and yet to be so lonely. Do you know why some people overeat? <laughs> Loneliness. You know why some people don't eat enough? Loneliness. Do you know why some people are alcoholics? Loneliness. Do you know why some people can't sleep? Hmm. Loneliness. You know why some people sleep too much? Loneliness. You might find this interesting. I found it amazing. It was a revelation to me. The first thing in the Bible that God said wasn't good was loneliness. In Genesis chapter 2, the Lord God said, It's not good for man to be alone. He says, I'll make him a helper suitable for him. Wow. We need people. You know, we don't all need to be married. Paul said that doesn't necessarily equate across the board. But we all need connectedness with people. We all do. We're building the community of the king. So I want to share some causes for loneliness. Some of them, really, we open the door to, and others really are beyond us, and they just kind of happen, and we're victimized by them. But I want to share four reasons uh, sometimes that we process loneliness. One is... Sometimes we have feelings of rejection, and, and that could be kind of like a foundation for feeling lonely. Maybe we've been burned in a relationship. And you know what happens when people feel burned? 
uh, sometimes they insulate themselves so that they don't hurt again. Maybe they've been mistreated, so they insulate. You know, Mark Twain made a statement. He said, if a cat sits on a hot stove, he'll never sit on a hot stove again. Then he went on to say, the truth is, he'll never sit on any stove again. And that's how some people are. They insulate because they're afraid of being hurt. Um, see, it's the fear of getting burned a second time. And it's not just cats, but it's people. Burned once, never again. Stepping back, you know. I, I'm not going there. You know, others wrestle with other things. Maybe it's not rejection, but just simple insecurity is a reason why some people are insulated, isolated. Maybe there are self-worth issues. You know, maybe you've been run down. Um, you know, this whole parenting thing, none of us are perfect. And, and some of us have had stuff said to us by parents even that, that are not uplifting words, not encouraging, and you'll never amount to anything, all these different things. You know, and sometimes we're, we're wounded by those things and we're insecure. And even pastors could be some of the most insecure. Not us, of course, but we're really one of the most insecure bunches there is. And, and uh, just the realization that, that insecurity sometimes causes us to step into isolation. Instead of building bridges, we build walls. And some people are like that, and we need to be very, very careful. Have I built a wall? You know, am I boxing people out? You know, am I in a self-preserving um, way here, isolating people so, or pushing people away, so isolating myself so that I'm, I'm not hurt again? You know, a third reason... That, that people experience really deep loneliness, is sometimes deep sorrows. And, and some of you have experienced, because of no fault of your own, deep sorrow, deep tragedy, um, serious loss. And, and sometimes people are shell-shocked by what the, you know, the journey has thrown their way. And sometimes people feel like nobody understands. You know, nobody could relate to what I've gone through. And... Um, if you look at the book of Job, you know, he, look at these scriptures. I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking. In Job chapter 7, verse 16, he says, I hate my life. I don't want to go on living. Oh, leave me alone for these few days, he says. That's the new living. Or in Job 19, verses 13 to 19, my relatives say, they stay away, far away from me. My friends have turned against me. My neighbors, my close friends, they're all gone. The members of my household have forgotten me. The servant girls consider me a stranger. You know, I'm like a foreigner to them. I call my servant, but he doesn't come. I even plead with him. My breath, he says, is repulsive to my wife. I'm loathsome to my own family. Even young children despise me. And when I stand to speak, they turn their backs on me, and my close friends abhor me. And those I loved have turned against me. It's really sad. You know, but Job here was just expressing his heart, and he was expressing what he was feeling. And God knew where he was, and God knew what he needed. Hallelujah. And some of you have experienced deep sorrows and, and, and setbacks, and you might be grieving right now, maybe the loss of a loved one, maybe the loss of, of a relationship or the loss of health as you've known it. And, and I have good news for you, that Jesus wants to meet you at your point of need, and he wants to take you by the hand, and he wants to lead you out of this loneliness even today. And I believe God is able, and God is wanting to deliver us, to meet us at our point of need. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm so grateful to the Lord that in our lostness, 
God saved us and provided a way of escape. And in our loneliness, God is wanting to meet us there and to take us by the hand and lead us out of it if we're willing to let him do that. Now, I shared that there were four reasons, or four, at least four. The Number four was self-absorption. Sometimes people default into serious loneliness because, you know, I'm, I'm not saying this to be hurtful. I'm trying to be helpful. But sometimes in our preoccupation with ourself, you know, we get a little too self-absorbed, a little too self-centered. You know, somebody said that there's no life so empty as a self-centered life and no life so centered as a self-empty life. And I'm thankful for Jesus who didn't just give us numbers, but he gave us names and the very hairs of our head are numbered. And he knows us by name and he deeply cares for each and every one of us. So let's get to the good part of this whole lesson. Okay, can we do that? Take a cleansing breath. Thank you, Lord. This loneliness thing, it can be defeated in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. It can be defeated by the power of God's Holy Spirit. And you need to know that Jesus understands where you've been living. He knows where you stand. He understands your loneliness. You know, he tells us in uh, Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering like one from whom men hid their faces, despised, and we esteemed him not. He came to his own. They didn't receive him. He knew what it felt like to be rejected. He knew loneliness. He was rejected of men. He was acquainted with grief. And he hung on a cross between two thieves, carried the sin of the world on his shoulders, and cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Like that sparrow on a rooftop. And why am I sharing this? Well, I'm sharing this because some of, some of you need to know that Jesus understands. He knows. He understands. We don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all points was tempted as we are, and yet he's without sin. He's a friend who sticks closer to us than a brother. He tells us in Hebrews 13 that I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. In John chapter 15, he doesn't just call us servants. He calls us friends. You remember the story? The story of uh, Brother Zacchaeus. You remember that one? Really cool story. A little guy. Tax collector. Didn't have a real good self-image, I'm sure. Lonely, despised, rejected. Set apart and shut off all by himself. But when he heard that Jesus was coming to town, he climbed a sycamore tree, and he just wanted to catch a glimpse of him. I I love that story. And Jesus looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, today, today I'm coming to your house. See, Jesus knows who you are. Jesus knows where you are. And today, he wants to come to your house. And he doesn't want you stuck up that tree of isolation Anymore, But he wants to reaffirm his love for you, his hope for you. He wants to revitalize your spirit. And he doesn't want you just crippled by loneliness anymore. Again, Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 9. 
He says, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities or powers or things present or things to come or height or depth or any other created thing should separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's just bow our heads for a moment if we can. And, and I believe that Holy Spirit is stirring this today because he wants to touch us, that he wants to bring encouragement, he wants to bring edification, he wants to bring comfort, he wants to take us by the hand and lead us out of these things. If we've had mindsets that have been crippling us or setting the stage for deeper sets of, 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 or times of loneliness, that God would deliver us from those those bad ways, false ways of thinking, that we would be assured with confidence that God loves us, that God is for us and not against us, and he wants to lead us out of this. I love Psalms 23. And I don't believe it's a psalm just for funerals, but he leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul, and God wants to do that for you. You know, young person, retired person, Married person, married and lonely person, God wants to release to you an impartation, a blessing, of favor, and of strength even now. If we would all just raise our right hands to the Lord, close our eyes, and I want to pray for you. I, I thank you, Abba, for the encouragement of your word, and I thank you for the presence of your spirit that's here. And thank you for meeting us here in this place at our point of need. And for delivering us in real time from these things that somehow cripple us. And that we would know, here you are, by your spirit, in the midst of us. Deliver, my friends, I pray. Deliver us from deep-seated feelings of loneliness that we would know that we're not alone. That we wouldn't give the adversary any ground but that you would bring your encouragement to your people today in the name of Jesus, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. And the people of God said, amen and amen. Be encouraged. God wants to love you, bless you, and lead you by the hand. Amen. I think you had just had a one-two punch. I'm going to tell you why. You know, like Paul mentioned, the Bible teaches that we're never alone. You can't separate us from God's love. Uh, God wants to strengthen our soul. Your God is with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And you don't have to fear because God is with you. These are the things he wants us to know. And how you think is, you feel is how you do. So it's important you think right so you feel right and do right. I never told Paul what to speak on. I spoke on loneliness. Last week, I spoke on the Holy Spirit wants to be your what? Best friend. See, he wants to be your best friend. And this is like a part two to the Holy Spirit wants to be your best friend. And when you understand your best friend is not only with you, but he's in you, Loneliness dissipates. But it's still good to have someone with skin around you. Amen? Amen? Okay. We serve a wonderful, wonderful God. I just wrote a 
a um, brochure called the Ironic Benediction and the Christian, and you can receive that. It's it's in the back. It's in the foyer there. You can get that. But um, a short while ago, I was moved in my heart. God moved in my heart to start doing the benediction, the ironic benediction over you folks because it's not me that's praying, but it's God that wants to bless you. Okay? Now, before we do this, we, we need to pick up an honorarium. We need to bless um, Paul, and you can make your checks out to Grace Christian Fellowship, and because if, God forbid, a check bounces, we'll take care of it. I don't want them to take care from the ashtray. You say, well, I didn't, if I'd known this, I would have brought some cash. Well, you can write an IOU, and you can pay us back. Very few of you have ever stiffed us. So we're going to take this offering right now. Ushers, come on forward. Okay. doesn't take long to dig in the purse or the wallet. Okay, we'll pick up this offering, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ministry of Paul Burby, and um, we want to honor you and honor, and honor him with this honorarium. So we thank you for providing so we can do this. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pick, let's pick it up, please. We'll just wait a second. Um, okay. This is going awfully quick. It's not supposed to go this quick. Okay. <clears throat> hey, Jim. Did, uh, did, did, did Paul talk to you about the black wall business? He did, huh? Okay, we'll talk about that. Okay. Pastor Paul's got all these ideas. And you go into his, his church, it's, um, it's like a light show. I mean, it, it's, 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 it's really nice. Really nice. And uh, I've never known him when he was not in a building project. I think it only to be a member of his church... You have to be good with a hammer because you have to be a builder and play the guitar. <laughs> Let's all stand together, please, please. So we receive this blessing individually and collectively, and this is God blessing you. Number 621. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace, peace in your heart, knowing that he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you, and he is your best friend. In Yeshua's name, Jesus. Amen. God bless